for today, we are going to get into, so get your sermon notes out. We're going to get ready to go through those. As we get ready for that, I wanted to, uh, how many of you guys know we like to laugh around here and have a good time? Praise God, right? So I've been to enough churches where I was miserable. I like to come to a place where I enjoy it. So uh, I want to give you a small joke before we get started. So there was a pastor, and uh, he, he wasn't necessarily in Pensacola, but there was a pastor, and so he was talking about all the different, uh, you know, he was just talking about sin, or he was talking about preferences, or whatever the case may be, and then he starts harping on alcohol, right? So he's like, man, what we need to do is we got to go through, we need to go through the whole city and find all the beer we can and just take it down to the river and dump it in the river. And he says, then, you know what we need to do? We need to get all the wine in the city, we need to take it down to the river, and we need to dump it in the river. And then we're going to get all the whiskey and anything else that we can find that's alcohol, we're going to take it down to the river, and we're going to dump it in the river. And then he got done preaching, and so then he says, all right, the hymnist is going to get up and lead us in a song. And so the guy gets up to sing, and he says, everyone turn to page 109 in your hymnal books. We're going to be singing Gathering at the River. Okay, so, uh, yeah. So always check, your, check with your music person before you go talking about stuff. Anyway, so, no, uh, so welcome to Transformation Church. Let's get right into it, all right? So we're talking about the cross, and today we are talking about the cross commissions. Turn to the person next to you and say the commission. Now turn to the person next to you and say like you mean it. Say the commission. Some of you are like, I still don't know what this means yet, but I'm going to say it because he said to say it. So we're talking about the commission. Before we get into it, let's look at our theme verse for this series, and it is 1 Corinthians 1, 18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so one of the things that I try to talk to people about, because today we're going to be talking about our mission and we're going to be talking about uh, the commission and the demand and the request of Jesus for us to become active parts of the gospel going forward in people's lives. But one of the things I try to encourage people that in the process, how many of you have ever tried to talk to someone about your faith or someone has asked you questions about your faith and in doing that, they just don't get it, right? You try to explain it to them and they're like, I, I don't get it. Well, you want to know why? It's because it's foolishness to those who are perishing, to those that are not with God, to those that have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, they can't get it yet. And so many of us, what I try to help people understand is that we need to, as believers, for those of us who are believers, need to understand that we cannot go in and start to force or request those that are not believers in Jesus to follow some moralistic or character code that is found in Christ if they don't have their faith in Christ. And so we try to mold the world into what the gospel says it should be, but the world is not saved. And so we're asking them to follow through with a moralistic commitment to a gospel that they don't believe in. So essentially we're trying to ask fish to fly and birds to swim. Say, well, you need to live this way. Well, they can't, they can't even grasp that yet because Jesus is not the, at the very core of their lives. And so we have to understand that as we move forward, in this pursuit of the gospel, resurrecting and changing people's lives and transforming hearts, that in that, we have to know that the morals and the character uh, builds of people are not going to change until the very core of their life is centered on the cross. Amen. And so as we move forward in that, we want to keep that in mind. We're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 28 today. So turn to your, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. If you don't, you can get out your sermon notes where we're going to spend most of our time today. All right, guys, let's check it out. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. 
And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Everyone say that, say all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. So the very first thing that we want you to understand in the mission, because it is, it's, it's Jesus has come in now, and so he's talking to the disciples, and he's saying, it's now your mission. It is now the commission. It is now your responsibility. It is now your weight to carry the gospel and take it to the world. But what we oftentimes don't realize in being saved is that Jesus' command to the disciples was not the end of the commission. It was the beginning of the commission. And so Jesus didn't leverage to the disciples saying, hey, I want you to do these things and then we're gonna forget everyone else. So I want you to do these things, but it's not gonna continue on for generations. No, no, no. His weight, his give, his carry, his request of the disciples was the same request that we carry today. And that was that we would take the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Has any of your lives been transformed by the sheer grace that can only be offered through Jesus Christ on the cross? That I don't know about you, but I don't have to look back very far in my life to look to where I used to be and recognize where God has taken me to. There are some parts of my life that I felt like were going great, but even on my best day without God, I was still a wicked person in desperate need of a savior. And Jesus paid the price for me on a cross that I could never pay for myself and therefore offered salvation so freely to me, like Romans says, that I can now walk in that free gift. And so the cross transforms our life. The very first thing we want you to understand about your mission, because it's your mission now, is that you're being sent where Jesus is. You're being sent where Jesus is. We got any football fans in the house, right? It's college football season, right? Like, whoa, 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 let's, we wanna keep this a Christian organization here. So, college football fans, any Gator fans in the house? Yeah, you guys need to repent, man. Y'all, get, y'all got some sin in the camp or something. I don't know what's going on. It's, it's all right, I was just kidding, just kidding. We're gonna have a fight break out in the middle of church. Right? We're gonna lose even more teeth, you know what I'm saying? Not going there. Anyways, moving on. So, the reason I brought that up is to ask you this, to, to give you this analogy for those of you that are football fans, is to understand that, see, Jesus is taking our lives and he's gonna guide us. And some of you can't understand why you work at the place you work, why you live at the place that you live, why you encounter the people that you encounter. And here's the reason. And, so, and then many of us become completely overwhelmed by the sheer idea of trying to talk to someone about the gospel. We're like, well, I'm not a pastor. I don't know how to preach that. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not looking for you to to lay out an outline and put together a sermon so that you can now introduce this idea of the gospel in a way that a preacher would. All he's asking you to do is herald it. In other words, how many guys have ever eaten at a really good restaurant? Praise God, somebody. I can see that some of us have. You know what I'm saying? Right? How many of you told other people about that restaurant? Why? Because it was good. Come on, somebody. We had the dinner small group last night, fried shrimp po' boy. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Right? So, but why? You told someone about it because it was something that was impactful to you. That's how we herald the gospel. 
You don't have to go in and have everything fixed and everything put together. All you're doing is walking to an environment and telling someone about something that's just been so amazing to you that you literally just have to tell them about it. That's your responsibility. It's not to preach. It's not to know everything about the Bible. It's not to have a homiletical, hermeneutical outline of what everything should look like. All it is is to walk in and say, when someone says, man, how come you have so much peace? Man, let me tell you why I have so much. How come you have so much joy? Man, let me tell you why I have so much. People ask us all the time on social media, on Facebook, man, how are you guys carrying yourself through the struggles your families are going through? I'm like, let me tell you how I'm carrying myself because I may not know the beginning and I may not know the end, but my faith falls on Jesus Christ who knows the beginning beginning from the end that created the world. So I don't have to know everything. All I have to know is that God has still been good to me. And Jesus dying on the cross for me has removed any of my leverage to say, you have to do this for me. All I do is walk in the sheer grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that's been given so freely to me as a gift. And so I walk in that. I may not know everything, but I do know something. And that's that Jesus paid a very big price so that I could know him do you want to know him? And they go, I don't know. Let me get back to you. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm not, I'm not, God is not looking for you to preach a sermon. He's just looking for you to tell about how good Jesus has already been to you. But some of us get so overwhelmed by that idea. But can I comfort you with something that Jesus is sending you where he already is? And so with the football analogy, how many guys know that if, if a receiver is going to go out and catch a pass for a touchdown, does the quarterback throw the ball to where he's at? No, he throws the ball where he's going. And Jesus is sending you into your jobs, into your schools, into your workplaces, but you feel like you're running out into an island all by yourself, but Jesus is going to meet you there and give you the words to say, give you the wisdom on how to say it, give you everything that you need when you get there. Jesus is sending you where he already is to carry the hope of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28, he sent the disciples where he was already going to be. And then he met them there. The next thing we want you to understand is don't doubt the mission. Amen. Don't doubt the mission. And some of us, man, we look in the mirror and like, I could never, I can't be that person. I can't talk to someone about Jesus. I can't, we're, I'm insecure. I can't do, I can't do this. I can't do that. Don't doubt the mission. Amen. It doesn't have to make sense for you. As a matter of fact, it usually won't. God is the best at taking the disqualified and making them qualified. Yes. Like, literally, all right? You look at everyone God, Jesus and God used throughout the Bible, like they were all adulterers and tax collectors and they were not the most educated people. Like, let's just be quite frank about that. Paul had something going for him, but that's a different story. Everyone, all the rest of them were just miserable people. And God utilized their lives to take the gospel in such an impactful way. So we don't doubt the mission. Can I tell you something? Your estimation of your value does not dictate God's ability to execute his plan in your life. I'm going to say that again. Your estimation of your value doesn't dictate God's ability to execute his plan in your life. 
In other words, you don't have to know that you're all that to know that God can make you everything you need to be and use you in such a powerful way. Listen, it doesn't make sense for me to be standing up here. It doesn't make sense for pastor to be pastoring a church. It doesn't make sense for any of us to do, but by the sheer grace of God and the mercy and the abilities that he has forwarded to us, we get to stand up here and proclaim the gospel and the goodness of God to you people, which I love every single one of you, and all these things. Why? Because he can take the disqualified and make them qualified. But we don't doubt our mission. We pursue Christ. Matthew 28, 17, it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. What happened in this context of Matthew 28 is, is Jesus is now rose from the grave. And so what happens, the king then told them to start spreading rumors. He said, start spreading rumors that someone stole the body. And so they started spreading rumors around that someone had stolen the body. And so even when the disciples saw him, they still questioned whether or not it was really him. But how many guys know, it don't take very long about being around Jesus to know that it's Jesus. Amen. Amen. I tried a lot of things in my life, but nothing has radically transformed me like the sheer gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we don't doubt our mission. Can I tell you something? That doubt doesn't change God. Doubt changes our view of God. Amen. Doubt doesn't change. If, I would say that with the way we view God is like viewing God through a windshield. And things may have happened in your life and those things are rocks being thrown at your windshield and they've cracked your windshield and they've fragmented it and it's changed how you see God, but it doesn't change God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's always going to be the same, but how we see God changes because of how we're influenced by what has or has not happened in our lives yet. So even though, uh, just like people, someone asked me the other day, they said, how, uh, how are you leaning on the things of Jamin? And I was able to reminisce from a year ago. How many guys know the Facebook timeline thing where uh, a year ago today, like you were eating Skittles on the couch or whatever. Like, so I was... A thing popped up on my feed and it was something that uh, I remembered from my time with Jabin. And, you know, for those of you that are new, uh, our son is sick and we're expecting a, a healing miracle in his body. And so, but the, what happened was I was talking to Jabin and we were just doing a devotional and I was talking to him about uh, Noah's Ark. And I was telling him that, you know, God comes to Noah and he says, hey, I want you to build an ark. And Noah goes, what's an ark? He says, it's a boat, man. That's how it began. You know what I'm saying? The BLV. So I was, I was like, Noah said, well, what's a boat? He says, that's what you get in when it floods. Noah goes, oh, what's a flood? He said, that's what happens when you get too much rain. Noah says, oh, what's rain? <laughs> he says, that's what's happened when water falls from the sky. Noah says, Water doesn't fall from the sky. He says, it's going to build a boat, right? Okay, so, but, but here's the deal. And this is what I want to encourage you with is that when God spoke to Noah, God was speaking to Noah to not only believe in, but prepare for something that he had never even seen before. And even though doubt set into Noah somewhere along the way, I can promise you, see, the Bible doesn't necessarily lay this out, but I can promise you some of his family members was like, hey man, you think Noah done lost his mind? He's building a boat for this flood that comes with the rain, right? It had not rained before. So 
But what I wanna encourage you with today is Noah had to build the boat having never seen the rain. And some of you are in your life and you're gonna have to rely on faith having not yet seen the rain. Some of you are gonna have to rely on faith having not yet seen the clouds. Some of you are gonna have to rely on faith having never experienced any of the necessities for your miracle before, but we build the boat regardless because we don't doubt the mission. God's promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever, all right? So our doubt doesn't change God, it just changes how we view God. Number three, he tells us to make disciples. Make disciples. And so when we go in and so we walk into our workplace or our school or our community or our neighborhood and we start talking to people about the gospel and uh, so we talk to someone and they say, oh man, I really feel like the Lord's doing something in my life. I need to know him. And then some of us go into that panic mode right then like, oh God, I need to call my pastor. I don't know what to do. Uh, and so some of you have experienced that because I've gotten Facebook messages from you. So don't try to play a game. So... <laughs> So you get in that moment, right? So we talk to someone and we lead them through the steps like, hey, you know, the, the Lord is pulling you and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and we explain to them the gospel. And then right after that, God, guys, can I tell you something? That's not the end, that's just the beginning. So now we get to walk people through becoming disciples, becoming transformed by grace, and then walking out the process. How many guys know when you got saved, it wasn't like, oh, I'm good now. How many of you found out all those little parts of you that the Lord wants to change? And chances are, every time you read the Bible, you're like, oh gosh, I gotta change that too? Like, oh man. And it's not that you're changing that so that you can be saved, you're changing that because you are saved. By the sheer grace of God, he's poured out on me. I want to be completely transformed and become more like Christ each and every day. Now that's got to change. Man, now that really needs, I mean, that part about me, that really needs to get shifted. Man, I, now I need to be, oh, oh goodness, that part of me. You know, like, and we don't get to tuck anything in a closet because God sees all of our hearts. And so we become transformed. But here's the deal. As we become active parts of leading someone on this journey, how many guys have kids, Right? How many of you had a kid and they immediately started running? Didn't think so, right? Like some of you, like, well, it felt like that, but I knew. How do you guys know they crawled and then they walked and then they ran? But if you were not careful in the church, we expect people, we expect people to get saved and start running. And there's gonna be some falls in the early stages where we pick them back up you know, they're going to touch the stove and the electrical outlet along the way, right? Hey, 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 don't do that, you know? But as we disciple, we're not talking about moving them along a journey so that they can be saved. We're talking about moving them along this journey because they are saved. And as we make disciples, we walk them through the process of discovering the life in Christ that God has for them. And so we make disciples to become seasoned Christians that can now in turn become those that disciple. You with me so far? Good. So we have to make disciples, Matthew 28, 18 through 19. Uh, the first part of 19, and Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciple of all nations. Everyone say nations. 
This is very important to me, particularly at this point in our social standing, because we have to understand that the Greek word for nations there is actually ethnos, which is where we get our word ethnicity from. In other words, God was saying, you need to take the gospel. You need to preach it to every person, red, yellow, black, white, every tribe, every tongue, every continent needs to go the gospel. So what you need to understand today is that it is no longer your responsibility to be so wrapped up by what you can obtain and the materialistic ideas that engulf you every single day. It's not about the car you can drive or the house you can buy. I'm telling you, buy a car, buy a house, but don't get so engulfed in the ideas of what you can obtain that you forget what you can take with you. And that's the people around you. We can't get consumed with working that we forget why we're working there the mission that we're on and what we're trying to take with us. Can I tell you something? We will never ever solve gospel issues under a social umbrella, but we can solve every social issue under the gospel umbrella. What do you mean by that pastor? What I mean by that is this. There are issues that are plaguing our nation right now whether there are racial issues, there are cultural issues, there are generational issues that are plaguing our culture right now. And we are trying to approach them socially and then add the gospel later. What we need, what we need to do is fix it with systems. No, 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 what we need to do is fix it with Jesus. Amen. So we can't bring underneath this umbrella these social issues are these, these gospel issues and think that we're gonna solve them. I can, I can tell you this right now, I don't care who you are, the next president of the United States is not going to fix our problem. The next governor is not gonna fix our problem. You know what's gonna fix our problem? When the church understands that Jesus is at the very core of our belief system. When I can look at a brother that is black or a sister that is Indian or someone that is Asian or someone that is Hispanic and I can see that God created them exactly the way they are in his image and in his likeness and we can declare the goodness of God and how he structured them, how he built them and the beautiful way that they are and then I can go across every boundary because it doesn't matter. He didn't say stop at any, any particular ethnicity, he said, take the gospel to every nation. So your responsibility as a Christian, for those of you that are saved, is to abandon your personal preference for the sake of the gospel. In other words, you can have an opinion about someone taking a kneel during the national anthem, but you can't talk about it and leverage it against the gospel in your own personal life. Sorry, not sorry. You can have an opinion but the moment your opinion comes out of your mouth and it destroys someone else's ability to hear the gospel from you, you have removed the call on your life. And, well, you have removed the ability to execute the call in your life because you have now leveraged your social understanding over the gospel responsibility. We have to understand that the gospel comes first. We have to understand that the gospel comes first. The next thing we want you to understand is that your mission is divine. Your mission is divine. I remember when I, uh, I got a job when I was, I was about 18 years old, I guess. I started working at a music store. And for those, like, so I'm a musician, right? Which already means that I'm broke at 18 years old, right? Because, like, if you're a musician, you don't have money. It's just, it's 
the way it goes. So what do we do? Uh, I get a job at a music store, which is the second worst thing you can do as a musician other than play gigs, uh, because all the money that you make, which isn't much, gets spent on the gear at the store, right? So you don't even get a paycheck anymore. You just grab a snare drum and walk out the door at the end of the week. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so my dad would come to me and a man of great faith was like, hey, you need to get a different job. This one's terrible. You're not making any money. I think what he was really trying to say is you need to make more money so you can move out of my house. But it's neither here nor there. So he comes to me. And for any of you that know Pastor, he has this thing to where once he gets committed to an idea, he doesn't let it go. Okay, so once he's like, once he has chosen that this is how he's going to focus on something, he just stays on that. <laughs> and he'll remind you every week. So I would get like a phone call once a week. Hey, you really need to find a new job. You need to go somewhere else. You need to find, you need to get better pay, whatever, whatever. And I kept telling him, I said, dad, I really feel like I'm supposed to be here. I don't know why, but I just feel like I'm supposed to be here. Like, so I'm, I'm going to stay, you know, and that he just suddenly got the peace of God over his life and said, oh, okay, that's a lie. That didn't happen. He still called me every week for the next six months. So he was, he, uh, he would keep calling. I kept saying, you know, I, I don't know why I'm supposed to be here. When I started working there, uh, there was only one other person um, that has their, had their genuine faith in Jesus Christ that, that I would say based on looking. Um, and so there were others there. And so I was just, I would talk to each one as the opportunity would arise. I would just talk to each one. I would herald the gospel. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't walk in there like turn or burn. You're all going to hell. Like that wasn't the method that I was just like, as an opportunity would arise, you know, I'd be like, Hey man, if you ever, you know, uh, if you ever want to talk about Jesus, or if you ever, you know, feel like something's missing in your life, come talk to me. I'd love to talk about it. And that would kind of be the end of our conversations, you know? And over time I was able to break through walls with a lot of them. Anyways, all that to say, is I got to a place where um, as time went on, about the fifth year in, or about the fourth year in, God revealed to me that the only reason I was there was for one person. I, to take the gospel to one person. I, I, the Lord used me f- to t- touch and talk to a lot of different people while I was there. But the reason I was there was for one guy. And the day he turned in his two weeks notice, the Lord was like, all right, you're done. I want to take you somewhere else now. I kid you not. And the reason I'm telling you guys that story is so that you would understand that when we surrender to the gospel, when we surrender our lives to to Jesus Christ, we are now surrendering to the idea that the Lord would literally take our employment, put it into a brand new place, pay us less than we were making at the place before we got there and run us through a whole system of changes so that one person could hear the gospel. So what's happening in your life that the Lord is trying to use you for to execute the very commission that he put on your life? Because can I tell you something? Now that you're saved, for those of you that are saved, those of you that put your faith in Jesus Christ, and for those of you that haven't yet, as you step into the salvation offered by Jesus Christ and you put your faith in him and you receive the grace and the mercy, as that happens, your whole life now becomes about the mission and less about the man. And so we put all of our focus on him, but your mission is divine. Here's what I want you to understand is that the mission will identify you and show you that you have been three things. They're already in your notes. Number one is that you've been drawn by God. You've been drawn by God. John 6, says that no man comes to the father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Secondly, that you've been loved by Jesus Christ. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he sent his only son 
for those that believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans 5, that God loved us so much that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Can, can, I, we, can we just expose that with a flashlight real quick? While you were still fill in the blank. While I was still dealing drugs, God saw me there and chose to die for me then. While you were wherever you were in life, when Jesus picked you up and dusted you off and exposed you <clears throat> to the sheer grace and mercy that he offered you through the cross, while you were there, Christ died for you. And then lastly, on that part, we are being led by the Holy Spirit. We're being led by the Holy Spirit. Romans eight fourteen. for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so some of you can't figure out why the Holy Spirit and, and things keep happening in your life where you're being led to a place where you're constantly around the same people all the time. Hello, somebody, wake up. It's on purpose. That person at your job that keeps coming up to you and keeps asking you questions about, you know, your faith or whatever, that's not a coincidence. You, you know, that's not just one of those things where you're like, oh, this person seems really interested in what we're, no, no, no. Like God has a plan for you. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. He wants to do something in your life and utilize you for the sake of the gospel. Amen. And so we're being led by him. But in being led by the Holy Spirit, it's important that we understand that we have to be led because if we don't, there's a good chance that we follow the crowd. And if we're not careful, we'll follow the crowd. A story, there was a missionary, he moves to Africa. And so he's going to the mission field in Africa. And, uh, and so he gets there, he's moving there full time. So he doesn't even know the language yet. So he goes there and he goes into a church service. And because he doesn't know anything that anyone's saying from the pulpit, he's like, you know, I'm just going to pick someone else in the congregation. I'm just going to look at them and whatever they do, I'm going to do. And so uh, they look, he looks over and he's got this guy, he's watching. And so they start singing. So uh, he starts kind of mumbling with whatever language there because he don't know what's going on, right? Like, so then they all start clapping. So he's clapping, he's watching guy over here. Uh, and then they sit, he sits down, so he sits down. Then the guy stands up, so he stands up. And they clap again, so he claps again. And then the guy sits down, so he sits down. So everyone's sitting down. The guy gets up there on the microphone and says something in whatever language it was. And so the guy next to him stands up. And so he's like, he stands up. And then everyone kind of starts laughing and snickering. And so he looks around and everyone else is sitting down and it's only the guy standing up. And so he's looking at him. So he slowly sits back down. Afterwards, he's walking out the door and the pastor happens to speak English. He says, you don't speak our language, do you? And he goes, no, I don't. He says, well, I didn't think so. Cause I just asked for the father of the brand new baby in the church to stand up. And both of you stood up. <laughs> so, <laughs> Awkward, right? No, just kidding. So, all that to say, don't stand up because you don't know what episode of Jerry Springer you're going to end up on. You know what I'm saying? So, no. Uh, but in all honesty, we have to be careful that we stay committed to the mission, but that we be led by the Holy Spirit, lest we end up following the crowd Amen. and not following the Spirit, not following Jesus, not being committed to the mission. Because tomorrow when you get to work and when you get to school, that annoying classmate is still going to be there. That boss that you don't like, they're still gonna be there too. Yeah, the commission said to love everyone alike. 
That's a different story. For, no, I'm just kidding. Right? Some of you are like, oh, praise God. Um, that boss is still going to be there. That classmate's going to be there. That coworker's still going to be there. You know what I mean? Like what, whatever it is in your life, the people that tend to distract you from the gospel because they continue to put you in a place where you tend to focus on other things other than why you're actually there, those people are still going to be there. So we have to become fixed on the mission. So fixed on the mission that we don't get distracted by the crowds. You're there for a reason. Let God show you the reason. And continue to understand that the gospel is the most important thing. Not only in your life, but in the lives of the people you're going to talk to. Because lastly, we'll give you this one. That's that you understand that Christ is with you. Christ is with you. He is never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. In the times where you looked around and you couldn't find him, he hadn't left you there. How many guys ever heard the the poem Footprints before, right? It's like some really sweet thing where like, hey, there was two sets of footprints walking in the sand. It was me and Jesus. And then I only saw one set of footprints and I was like, Jesus, how come you left me? And he was like, that's when I carried you. You guys know that poem before? The, the part of that poem that doesn't make any sense to me is that any of us actually thought that we were walking any of this journey. I don't know about you, but daily Jesus has to carry me. <laughs> There's always just one set of footprints and it's just Jesus carrying me constantly because I need him every single day. So Christ is with you. Matthew 28, 20, the last part of the message, or the last part of the scripture we read earlier, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I didn't do this in the eight o'clock service, but I wanna encourage some of you today that you don't know where some of your relationships are going, but Christ is with you. You don't know where some of your family and the relationships with your family is going, Christ is with you. You don't know where some of your bills are going to get paid, but Christ is with you. You don't know how some of your marriages are going to work, but Christ is with you. You don't know how you're going to get through some of your employment issues, but Christ is with you. You don't know how you're going to make it through whatever you're going through right now, but Christ is with you. But don't abandon the mission because you can't see the next step. Because Christ is with you follow through, stay committed. But more importantly, don't become so fixed on the things around you that you forget the only reason why you're still here is that you could take this amazing message of Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately needs to hear about it and present to them the hope that is found through the cross. All right, close your eyes with me today. Father, we cross. We thank you for what Jesus did. We love you today. If you're in this place and you you say, man, pastor, all that sounds really, really good, but truth is, I don't know that I am saved. I don't know that my faith is in Jesus Christ. All that I know is 
I know something about my life needs to change. And I, I feel that maybe I've heard the gospel, I've heard about Jesus before, but I've, I've never really understood what he did on the cross. And so here's what I wanna, I wanna paint this very short picture for you is that when Jesus died on the cross, he went to the cross to pay a payment for sins that you and I could never pay. And so we couldn't pay for our own sins. And so by default, we were on our way to hell and Jesus interrupted our journey. Romans five says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so he died on the cross, paying the payment for sin that we could never pay for ourselves. And when he died on the cross and he paid the price, he now offers you access to grace so that you can go to heaven. Although we never deserve it, we can now walk in it. And so today, perhaps the Lord is pulling on your heart or he's, he, you can feel him revealing to you the necessity of putting your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And you're in this place right now and you said, man, I've heard the gospel a tons of times, but right now today, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ and I wanna see the grace extended to me so that I can experience eternity in heaven. I wanna know Jesus today and I wanna follow him the rest of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. God bless you. Once you raise your hand, you can put it down. I wanna know Jesus today. I wanna put my faith in him. I wanna be saved. Here's what we're gonna do, folks. All across this place, we're gonna say a prayer. Even online, if you're watching us on live stream, we want you to pray with us. And whether you raise your hand or whether you didn't, but you're gonna put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you're putting your faith in Christ right now, listen, this prayer doesn't make you saved. All this prayer does is acknowledge that you've already put your faith in Jesus and the grace that's been extended to you has saved you by the sheer power of Jesus. And so if you, we want you to pray this prayer with us. And this is nothing more than an acknowledgement that I'm putting my faith in Jesus today. So church, pray it with us all across the building. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I acknowledge that you paid with your life my debt. I put my faith in you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church, put your hands together for all those.